Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan. Bears, 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 bears. Football, football, football. You know what? I'd like to say you're wrong, Molly, but you're not wrong very often. David Hall. That was one of the best questions you've ever asked. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to get an answer just as good. Chicago Sports Talk for your morning on 670 The Score. Who could ever have picked the idea of the Philadelphia Eagles, the number one seed in the... Yeah, it took you 10 seconds to get to the point where you picked... The Eagles last August, and you reminded us of that. Well done. And who did I pick them against? You picked them against the Chiefs. <laughs> I think you picked this matchup back in August. Well done. We should pull the tape on that. Please predict the Super Bowl matchup. Okay. Bills, Niners, Super Bowl. My Super Bowl, Ravens, Bucks. All right. I got the, uh, the Eagles will beat the Niners. A couple of teams that didn't win divisions, I picked. So I got the Chiefs beating the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Start your mornings with Mully and Haw, 5.30 till 10 a.m. Great Swami Mully. On 670 The Score. Call me now for your free reading. Let's go. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Yeah, that's about right. Call me now for a free reading. That's hysterical. Um, didn't Greg Blash reference that uh, at one point when he was here? Pretty funny stuff. Morning, Molly. Happy Tuesday. And, yeah, I guess uh, I, I think I remember what you're talking about with Greg Blash. What's the name of that lady? I can't. I lost her name now. Miss Cleo? Miss Cleo. Yeah. Greg Blash referenced Miss Cleo. Hey, I think we should play that every day until the Super Bowl because just to remind people how ahead of the game you were, are you going to stick with, though, the – yeah, you know what's funny? Did Jeez. you see the line yesterday? The line went crazy. Uh, well, was it yesterday or Saturday or Sunday? Sunday, right? After the game was determined, the line came out at Chiefs plus two and a half, which is kind of a little bit much. And it was bet down. Uh, what was it, Dustin? 20 minutes? Is that what our friends at Circus said? Yeah, 21 minutes. It moved five points. Five points that, in 21 that's minutes? unusual. And not ordinary. No, that's, that's how do you explain crazy. that one? I I think that the injuries and Patrick Mahomes being compromised and people watching him hopping around and mm-hmm. the way they won by their chinny chin chin with a really dumb penalty that uh, that he got shoved out of bounds and I think all of those things caused people to 
What are, what are the Eagles' combined scores? 69 to 14. Okay. Okay, so that's the that's, thing. Is they have cruised. Good. They have not yes. been challenged. No. And you could say they haven't really been challenged much of this year. You wonder how they will fare in a close game. That's always a question about teams that are as dominant as the Eagles have been. I think, though, does that say that they are dominant, which I think in fairness you can assume, but is also the teams they have beaten – Number one, they beat a Giants team that was just happy to be there. And secondly, they beat a 49ers team that was running the single wing. So Right, right. <laughs> with a, a 49er team without a quarterback and a Giants team that was not really complete. So I think you can say the Eagles are impressive. You can think they can still win, whatever the case may be. But the playoffs, you're not quite sure what, how to read that. Dominance you know, or bad competition? a good question and i think we'll be discussing it i also believe and i heard this statistic yesterday and i thought this can't be true they are going to be starting in the super bowl the same 22 that started the season that's an extraordinary statistic when you think about that kind of continuity that kind of health well they had a lot of injuries but they're back it's just they are maybe the deepest team in the nfl they've got Basically two defensive lines. They've got basically two secondaries. So when someone goes out, they can give them all the time they need to get. They, when you have 22 starters uh, that that you are kind of game management, you know, you're. it's almost like an NBA team. Well, it, they, they were allowed, because of their hot start to the season and everything else, they were allowed to give guys the time they needed, including the quarterback, I guess in order to have them up and running and ready to play. Well, it's also season. remarkable, and it speaks to their roster, uh, not only depth but quality, is that you have 22 starters that you like by the end of the season. Well, that's it. I <laughs> that mean, you, you might, still believe in. You might have more than that. You know, you might have more. You might have played guys to fill in that you feel like, hey, that now they're, they're pretty good players. They're de facto right? starters. Yeah, yes. they're guys who are your – 24th and 25th men that you could live with. But I think that when what, what I'm referring to, you know, is that like right. most teams start out in September, week one. <laughs> they know that there's going to be attrition and they're okay with that because right. they need guys who are not necessarily anything but placeholders. Yes. Please beat me out. Yes. Because somebody behind me is better, but we need to start with me because until he gets ready. And then the Eagles are That's in the position point. where they started out with a group that they felt like could win the Super Bowl if they had the if they were playing it that day. They were they were at their full strength and they had their best 22 week 1. Right. They weren't ascending to anything as, except for all they wanted to do was, hey, if we stay healthy, we're going to win it all. Yeah. Most teams are like, hey, if we stay healthy, we can get to 500. <laughs> so <laughs> That's true. the NFL. Yeah, they didn't really come into the season with a big hole. You know, you think about well, some of the local teams, let's say, <laughs> where – and I'm not talking about this year. I'm talking about past years where you're like, oh, God, they're down a receiver. They just don't have a receiver. They got to somehow get a receiver. That The the Eagles got the receiver, and they have good receivers, and they probably have as good a combination of receivers well, as any team in the league. Well, that's what makes it really an interesting – parallel here in Chicago because we want to look at what we learned from this Eagle season and everything about it reflects the the faith that they had in Jalen Hurts to get better 
And the questions about the Eagles revolved around him, I think, at the beginning of the season. Yes. Not that could he be good enough to start, but could he have this kind of season that was MVP caliber? And he did. Yes, he did. And the thought was in Philadelphia and around the league, if he could, man, are they going to be good. Boy, are they going to be unstoppable. And look at them now. They are, and he is. As I said to you yesterday, if you had told me that he was not going to throw a touchdown and Gardner Minshew would be finishing the game, I would have thought, oh, no, the Eagles have been eliminated. But the reality is he didn't have to throw a touchdown and Gardner <laughs> Minshew did finish that's, the game because – That's a great That's a great stat and just a quirky fact about the NFC Championship game. You know, the more you look at these two teams, and we have a long time to look at them. Right. Yeah, there's so much to like about the Eagles, even though I, I understand that the Chiefs are, are likable too. There, there really isn't a villain in this team except for Ndamuk and Sue, and we can get to him at, at another time. <laughs> but what I like about the Eagles is that w- what they have done or will hope maybe by the time they kick off in, a, in a 10 or 12 days, we, we look at Jalen Hurts and you see what he oh. w- was at Alabama. He was beaten out. He had to go to Oklahoma. And then he still started, and he gets to the Eagles, and he's an after, not an afterthought, but he still had to wait his turn. Yep. Carson Wentz was the guy, and yep. he's a study in perseverance. And by the same token, the assumptions that you made about Jalen Hurts at one point when he was beaten out of Alabama, he defied those odds and, and, and made those untrue. Nick Sirianni did the same thing. I'm not a big Nick Sirianni guy, but – it's, it's so ironic that two years to the day that he was introduced and we made fun of him. Oh, he listen, that's his. The bad. first part of being smart is knowing what to do. We're gonna, we're gonna know, we're gonna have systems in place. That's not our <laughs> fault for making fun I, of him. I'm not blaming that, us. That was as bad. That, that was a man that had never stood in front of people. That's that was, he was. You know, it was as easy to make fun of him and as obvious as walking outside this morning and saying, "Boy, this is freezing." Oh my! God. It was just there to be mocked, and then here we are, two years later, celebrating a guy because somehow he does deserve some credit. Not quite sure what he did. Not quite sure if he could have screwed up this roster, but you give him credit because he is the head coach of the NFC champions. And I never would have seen that coming two years ago. He, he, I mean, you know, when he's like nodding his head, yeah, we scored a touchdown. He looks like a guy that could be in the crowd. He does. As much as he could be on the side. He was tailgating. Like he looks like a Philly guy, he was, you know? He was a guy Even tailgating. He yeah. I, I, so I, I guess. I he guess could have been next to Bradley Cooper. <laughs> he could have been. All fired up. The takeaway is don't, I, we shouldn't have these preconceived notions about guys, I suppose, because the Eagles have a quarterback and a head coach that aren't yeah, exactly true. what we expected them to be. Whereas the, the, um, the Kansas City Chiefs have a, um, a quarterback and a head coach who are exactly where you thought. Totally on be. brand. Yes. This is exactly the way you expect the Andy right. Reid team to behave in the postseason. This is exactly the way you expect now, by now, Patrick Mahomes yes. to play yes. when the stakes are high. And the nails. Chiefs are doing everything everyone expected. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. It, it really is. It's a tell you what, it, it could be like a really fun game, and it's a nice matchup of teams and uh, the storylines. The, the Kelsey brothers is a neat storyline. That's just like a really interesting two brothers, and you know, what are the odds? 
What are it's the first odds? time it's ever happened, right? First time it's ever happened. It just a Midwestern family from Ohio. He, the pictures that I saw yesterday circulated of uh, Jason and Travis Kelsey at Cincinnati in uniform next to each other when both were, uh, you know, kind of not knowing what the next step would be. Un, unproven guys. It's a long way from there. You but. know, I, I believe that Dave recruited uh, Travis Kelsey as a as a not as a quarterback as a tight end. He wanted him to play tight end. He went to Cincinnati because he wanted to be a quarterback. Yeah, he, he was a really good athlete when he was uh, in high school, and he decided he he was going to play quarterback in college. So he ended up staying in his hometown. And then they moved him to tight end like immediately. That was the Brian Kelly story we talked about yeah. yesterday. Is yeah. that he, Brian Kelly? I don't know if it was a wink, wink, nod, nod, but say, yeah, you can start at quarterback. Of course, that's just you a can get start him. at quarterback. He was like the only coach that told him he would be and, a quarterback. And they designed some plays for him out of the wildcat formation. Yeah, it kept him interested and engaged because they saw the athleticism. He was on that very good team, I believe. That helped Brian Kelly get hired by Notre Dame. That's right. When what, what was the name? Pike was the name of the quarterback, I believe. Anthony Pike was it that year, and and Travis Kelsey played a, a team. role on that team. Yeah. And then he Kelly leaves, and Butch Jones takes over. But it was Dave was ahead of the curve, huh? Dave had him at I'm tight end. I'm pretty sure that's we'll right. We'll have to talk to him. Looking forward yeah. to that visit later because. A lot of teams looked at Travis Kelsey as a quarterback because of his athleticism and. Right. That was what is the detail that's really hard to forget, but his high school football coach at his graduation party giving him a hug and saying, you know, they're likely to move you to tight end and they'll see you in the NFL. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, that's really something. A lot of good storylines. This is going to just take – the build-up to this one will be fun because there are no imposters this no, year. No, Not that there are ever but I think that you always you, you might have teams you you wonder if they really belong not this year this is the best matchup really you could have nothing against the Bengals but anytime the America gets a chance to see Patrick Mahomes again that's a good that's a good opportunity who would you rather have on your team Tua or Jalen that's a great question. I thought about it yesterday when I saw some of the pictures about the Alabama game where he was replaced, replacing Jalen Hurts. Now, if both guys being equal and healthy, you could make the argument for Tua, but I am all Jalen Hurts all the time. I love the I love running quarterbacks who might not be as polished as passers and guys who would just have that intangible that Jalen Hurts offers. I like that, so I would say Jalen Hurts. Yes, I mean, I, I think that it's just proven out that he's – kind of the bigger, stronger, more physical player amongst the two. And it's not an insult to Tua because, you know, he was – when he came in in that game, that was unbelievable. And, um, and, and you knew that that was a changing of the guard. And I think that Jalen Hurts, the way that, that – uh, I mean, it was, a, it was an incredibly smart move for him first to go to Alabama because – he started there, and he was a winner there, and then going to Oklahoma, and I know you're not a, a big fan, but that coach, he, he helped a lot of quarterbacks improve. Lincoln Riley? The NFL. He yeah, did. I just don't like the way he left, that's I know. all. Well, I, but but, but he, you don't like him. You know, Dustin doesn't like the quarterback he is now. I like the quarterback he has now, but I don't know that I, I'm a big Lincoln Riley fan. You're right. But he, he does have a system. Yes, that is does. conducive 
to having quarterbacks just thrive. And Jalen Hurts thrived. He did. In one year. He did. Picked it up quickly. And 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 to Lincoln Riley's credit, they f- they structured everything around his skill set because they had had quarterbacks succeed in that system that way before. Yeah, and that's what I mean about going back to that night in in right. uh, second round pick, fifty third overall pick in a draft, and he has to wait as you say, and then he takes over, and the guy the guy is he's a winner, he's a leader, he's he's an improved passer, and. We know he's a great athlete. And he's four quarters away from being a Philadelphia legend. Yes, he is. You win a quarterback. Right. You win a Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles in that sports city. You are you are immortalized. And he <laughs> he sings the song, right? I mean, I know we joke around about that, and maybe he's not the greatest singer in the world, but he knows the words to the fight song. How about that? And he's leading the crowd in it. And I mean, come on. You know man. what? He is approaching Nick Foles' territory in Philadelphia. I I think he could exceed him. Because because Nick was kind of a one year wonder, he was or a one playoff. He was a one hit wonder. One, you know, what I mean, yeah, he Philly special. But Jalen Hurts can he can sing that song and he, he can, can sing that song, can lead that team. And he he can, he can it's beautiful man. Fly Eagles fly on the road to victory. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. They I gave mean, him the mic and he responded. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, impromptu karaoke night. On like stage. It. I like it. After being handed the mic by Terry Bradshaw. I mean, and the thing is, he knew, the, he knew the lyrics. <laughs> you ever hear that story? Like, George Hallis shows up at practice with the Bears, and he offers $100 to anyone that can sing Bear Down, and no one can sing it. Then the next day, he comes in, and he offers $100 to anyone that can sing that song, and no one can sing it. And then the third day, he goes in, and everyone's learned the song, but he's not offering a hundred dollars. <laughs> How genius is that? You That's get everyone genius. to yeah. you get everyone to learn the fight yeah. song, but you don't have to pay for it. They didn't know it. They didn't know, you know, all the lyrics of it. They hmm. didn't know it through from. You know, yeah, I, I don't think that most players would know the, every lyric to every. He does though. Fight song. He, that, when, that's when, impressive. He, you know, he can sing. But the today's day and age, song. guys are going to know that probably because they hear it often and. It is I think repeated he's more smart. often. I think he's like he gets that town if anyone if that's humanly possible. Well, the one thing he is consistent crazy? about, and he does, it's not pandering necessarily. It's intelligent. Uh, uh, it's intelligent intelligence. pandering. Intelligent pandering. Yeah, <laughs> is that he always mentions the Philly fans, and he always right. mentions what it means to the city. Oh yeah. And and smart and savvy guys and leaders like that understand when to hit. Press those buttons, yeah. you know, and I mean, no doubt about those, it. Those are the right emotional notes to hit. I, you know, when you think about guys that lead their team, that are, you think, uh, do you think, say Mike Trout? I'm sure he can sing that Philly song too, but I'm not sure he knows what the Angels song. Is. I'm dreading the cameos of Mike Trout during the Super Bowl just because of Dustin's reaction to Mike <laughs> Trout being shown. He is so cameos. triggered by it, yeah. which is why I'm enjoying even talking that's about That's why you it. brought it up. That's Let's the only reason. It. But yeah. that's, I meant that in a, in a good, respectful way, Dustin. Fun Next couple. time Mickey Mantle decides to show up to Chicago, let me know. <laughs> and maybe I won't buy a ticket. <laughs> Mike Trout is, uh, come on, you have to give him his credit. He is the most Closest thing to a dominant player that baseball has when healthy. Yeah. But when healthy. Well, there's that. There's that. I wish I wish the Sox had him. Oh, my gosh. Come on now. 
Let's be honest. Uh, I'm Mike Trout. Uh, there you uh, go. I, yeah. got, I got a rumor going on that I'm not going to play center field, and uh, I'm not going to bat third, and uh, and all of a sudden now we fire Joe Madden because uh, I'm Mike Trout. <laughs> That's I, almost, it's not the baby voice. That's more in the toddler range. <laughs> That's toddler Mike Trout. Yeah. I didn't realize that we had that at our disposal. That was kind of like what LeBron did Saturday night. That's how LeBron was talking. Hey, by the way, LeBron does that Saturday night, and that was a huge tantrum. Ridiculous and embarrassing. <laughs> and did you see he didn't play last night? Is that right? Again, I mean. Well, how do you? But, it was uh, disciplinary. Secret suspension of LeBron. I love that conspiracy. Isn't that great? That's a great idea. It's not true. I, I love just, it. I totally go That's with something Dustin, Dustin on would that say. He had exactly. dinner. He had dinner plans in New York. I just can't uh, believe if I am a competitor, if I am the the guy that is about to break the NBA scoring record, yeah, and I have a public moment and meltdown the way that LeBron James did Saturday night national televised meltdown against the Celtics, and you feel like you were wronged. Your next time out, the first time you can get back on the court, you're sitting, you're wearing a suit. How do you do that? Don't you want to get out there as soon as possible? Take the next night off. You don't do that. You shrug. You do. I'm just saying you do whatever you want to do. <laughs> I guess so. Right? I mean, if you're that big a superstar and you're LeBron and you're still playing. And- but wouldn't you think that, like, LeBron, Nike, does he do gay? Like, think of all the people, all the things he endorses. Yes. Like, wouldn't you want that, like, at the Barclays Center in um, New York, you'll, in you'll, the largest market in our you'll, country? You'll get it the next time you you go. He's there once a year. Hey, but I'm saying, you know, LeBron is going to get attention. He's going to sell. Take sneakers. a night off in Indianapolis. Uh, He'll probably <laughs> play tonight. Wow. Though. Oh, that that's a shot. That's a direct There's shot. It's not a shot. It's just okay. the first thing that came to my He'll mind. He'll probably honestly. play tonight, though, because the Lakers are supposed to play the Knicks, Madison Square Garden. There so, you go. and it's a national televised game. That, that, there you go. That's a good point, good Brandon. But no, my... did, did Jordan ever do that? Did Jordan ever do that? Oh, you know, it's going to be a nationalized televised game, and I'm going to play. Listen, I'm going to play. I'm going to play an MSG. Era. So yes, there's no comparison. Load management so. was wasn't even a, a consideration back in those days. Ugh. But my oh my my, my whole thing is not even about whether or not it makes sense and where the market is. It's just that from a very competitive athletic standpoint, if I fail as loudly, or and I feel wronged as badly as LeBron James felt Saturday night. I want to play immediately. Well, I mean, the thing is, when you got the second game, you know, you're LeBron and you want to have your best performance, you can need a little energy. No offense to anyone, but that's just probably the reality of it. And he he probably, that took a lot of energy to have that meltdown. It did. He probably. It took a lot out of him. He needed some game management after I think he was probably planning to play in both games until the meltdown. Then he thought, exactly. I'm, I'm spent. Yeah. I'm and done. Then he thought, Brooklyn Schmucklin. Yeah, whatever. I'm going to Manhattan. <laughs> oh, I just, that bugs me. Funny, though. Yeah, it yeah. just bugged me. That's uh, good stuff. I, it, I mean, I got to tell you, I am really shot out of a cannon about, uh, about the Super Bowl, um, about the, the stuff yesterday from Pat Mahomes and the Bears telling the kid they're going to take him at three and then they trade up for Mitch. Come on. That was funny. Looking forward to talking that about that. Fantastic. Also, Bulls Clippers tonight at the United yes, Center. Yes. And apparently, Kawhi and Paul George are both scheduled to play. <laughs> <laughs> See, Kawhi wants a point guard. 
<laughs> well, take, I wonder if he takes take one ball. back. He's he's got a, a he he's got a he lot to manage. To play, did he? He just say did he have to play? He's fifteen minutes a game. Looks good in a suit. <laughs> All right, three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven is the number. We've got the pick six next, and we are going to pick apart the big stories of the day. And oh, there are some big stories of the day. We'll do that next. It's Mully and Haw on the score. It's Pick 6 with Mully and Haw, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick 6 with Mully and Haw starts now. Is the roughly 8% increase in the salary cap to $224.8 million good news for the Bears or a potential problem? Why the reported $91.8 million the Bears have available, according to OverTheCap.com, far exceeds the field? Does this mean more teams will be in the bidding? Wouldn't it be better to have more money if the rest of the league was skint? Yeah, that would be the – I mean, the Bears are going to have the money anyway. And now every other team gets an increase in cash as well. So if there was a guy that a team was going to let go, maybe they just got enough money to hang on to him for another year. Maybe they just got another money. I, I, I think the Bears have like twice the money of pretty much every team in the league except uh, for one. Who Somebody has like $56 million. Uh, other than that, the Bears have like double everybody else. And that seemingly would indicate that – they could go out and get anyone they want. They want now. You already have to pay through the nose in in this market, right? It is you are you are. It's a very competitive market. You're making up for draft mistakes, basically. And the guys that you get, the really good players, cost the most money. And you gotta really be willing to spend the money. I just think the problem for the Bears is that now with more teams having more money, you really are gonna have to pay. And the price tag probably just went up because other teams will be competitively bidding. Obviously not for everyone, but if you get four or five teams that are all going nose to nose with you, I'm I'm wondering if you really control the market. You can get anybody you want, but you don't want to get into a bidding war with every other team for every player. And that's how you uh you gotta keep in mind I I you know, I, I wanna know how much money they plan on spending in this market, because I would imagine they're not going to spend $92 million. I think they're probably going to get a couple high-profile guys. I think they're going to try to hang on to their money and make picks uh, each year. Well, I get where you're going with the why could it be a problem because, you know, most teams don't have as many needs as the Bears have also. So they could take their increase plus what they have set aside to solve maybe one or two problems while the Bears are looking probably free agency this year, they're probably looking to f- at least four problems, right? Yes. At least. Now, they do have more. And, and at the end of the day, more is more. But, again, that's why we're going to have guys like Andrew Branton, like to help us you know, walk it through. I, I, I retweeted something I saw overnight because I saw this all day and I didn't know the answer. So, at one point, the Bears had $118 million, right. and then all of a sudden they had just over $93 million. So what, what happened? But $4.5 million went to Riley Reef from incentives. Yes. You know, futures contracts. Um, the rookies, six 2020 draft picks earned a proven performance escalator. 
earning. So this is where that money went. If you were like me and were wondering, wait a minute, I thought I read and I had heard that they had a hundred million. The cap space went up, and now all of a sudden they're at ninety-three million. It all what happened? Up. Well, that's what Hidden happened. expenses, kind of like when you're renting a car. Yeah, you look at the receipt. Like, oh my gosh, seventy-nine ninety-five for what? And all the hidden fees. You gotta, you gotta fill it up, David. Okay, thank you, <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, Pro Football Focus, for filling in the gaps about why the Bears went from 118 to 91.8, and a lot of the things that we didn't anticipate. Everything is relative, and relatively speaking, the Bears still have more money than anybody else to spend. So while other teams can maybe target a guy and be willing to budget more for him it comes down to execution it comes down to bargaining and it comes down to closing a deal and this is still on ryan poles you identify players that you think are needs you go after them aggressively and you make them an offer they can't refuse you still have more money than anybody else in the league that goes a long way it needs to you have to still be fixated on your priority list, whatever it may be, is still going to come down to football evaluations. Money is no object. Money cannot be an object. You have players you need to take care of, Jalen Johnson, Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney perhaps, but I don't think you want to get that. It, let that get in the way. And I still think you can strategically take care of those players without interfering with your free agent objectives. You're going to end up with money. You're going to end up – you're not going to spend it all but you don't need to. What you want to do is go out, make a splash, supplement your roster, get some talent, for goodness sakes, right. take care of your own, and then draft intelligently. How many players? Five. That's going to cost a ton of money. Four impact guys, and role one, player. One secret story. Yeah, and I think, I think it's sequential. You go after a big-ticket item. Right. It's like you're shopping anywhere. Yep. You know what you need to, to fill a room with, okay, I want my sectional. I need my big screen TV. I need an Ottoman. I need a recliner. How, how many, how, how much money of the 92? You think they're spending half of it? Three quarters of it? I think they're it? spending three quarters of it. Okay. I would think that they would. By the end of the year, you want to. By the end of the year, you have this to spend and you have the need because you know what? The NFC, you could make the argument is there for the taking. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big question. Pat Mahomes Sr. was on the afternoon show yesterday, had this to say about his son, that he definitely wanted to be a Chicago Bear. He definitely wanted to be there. He liked everything about it. And, uh, you know, he was looking forward to going there. You know what I mean? Who, who doesn't want to be the first quarterback taken in the draft? You know, so there is definitely, you know, a situation where he thought that he was going to be there and hopefully be there for a long time. What was your reaction to that interview, that piece of sound, and will will we ever ever get over the 2017 NFL draft. <laughs> great interview. Great to hear from the ex-Cub, Pat Mahomes Sr., uh, the former Major League Baseball pitcher. I thought it was entertaining. And, yeah, that's always going to be the one that got away. Chicago is never going to get over Patrick Mahomes. And that's always going to be the symbol of Ryan Pace and the worst move he ever made. And it also is a reminder of the oversight that was missing in the 2017 draft for the general manager of the Bears no longer is missing. So it's a reminder of why Kevin Warren joining the Bears as a team president is good to have that kind of wisdom and that kind of guidance and leadership. This probably would not have happened had Ryan Pace had better direction because they would have vetted each quarterback better than they did rather than said, hey, he looks like me and drives a car like I did in college. Cool, let's draft him. So what you want to do 
is get past that if you can. It's going to be hard to get over. And if you're Patrick Mahomes, you know, there's a Garth Brooks country song that says, uh, thank God for unanswered prayers. <laughs> that was one that Patrick Mahomes, he dodged a bullet by having the Bears pass on him and letting the Chiefs take him because he is in the right place at the right time. Well, Patrick Mahomes is going to be doing a lot of talking. And, I mean, I'm glad Senior came on and talked here. But over the next two weeks, so somebody's got to ask him. Somebody's got to ask him who on the Bears told you that you were going to be a Chicago Bear. That's got to be done over the next two weeks. we got to get on the Zoom. Somebody's got to ask that question. Because that's, the, to me now, that's advancing the story. Because the, the, Why wouldn't it be Pace? Well, I mean, because the dad couldn't tell it. The dad was asked specifically. They did a nice job with a follow-up saying, who told him that? I don't know, but you know how it goes. They have those meetings. Right. I wasn't there. So, I mean, I mean, we could all assume, but I mean, I want to know, right? Now, does Ryan Pace eventually get off the hook if Justin Fields leads the Bears anywhere? You know, but over the next two no. weeks, over the next two weeks, he doesn't get any credit for no. it? No. No? Okay. He, Why? he passed up Patrick Mahomes. You, yeah. This guy is the first well, I mean, five if, years. Like Coach Ditka said, you quoted Garth Brooks, I'll coach Coach Ditka. Okay, David? Yeah. Cowards and losers live in the past, my friend. You just told me that you need to know who told Patrick Mahomes no. Yeah. So you are living <laughs> in the past. Well, well but th- we're all living um, in the past. I'm gonna, we're going to do it. Just, my extra point was we're going to do this for two Ditka, weeks. To quote Coach Ditka. Get your mouth shut. Jerk. The bell went off. Jerk. Don't forget the jerk part. Jerk. Get your mouth shut. That's got to be the funniest way of saying shut up to someone ever. And I mean, if I were told to get my mouth shut by Coach Ditka, believe me, I'd do it. Um, yeah, that was a great interview, and that was great fun to, to kind of relive the horrors of the past. That's the sort of decision Choosing Mitchell Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes, that's the sort of decision that will damn a franchise for a decade. You know, you missed an era of success because you did not evaluate that draft correctly. And by all accounts, the top coaches in the league all understood how good Mahomes was. And there was like a little bit of a battle, which is why the uh, the Chiefs had to move up to 10 to get him. So, um you know, very, a very embittering reality that that the guy the Bears took isn't even on the team, isn't starting in the league, right? I mean, I don't know what he's going to do. Nice enough fella, not his fault that uh, that the uh, evaluators weren't very good evaluators, apparently. And uh, and as you say, David, you you make these weird decisions based on, you know, you you're uh, you're interviewing Bruce Arians. I know it's a different guy. And you're interviewing uh, Mark Tressman, and you say to yourself, I'm Phil Emery. I've been down every dark alley in the league. I've tried everything. I'm, I'm, I'm a grinder. This guy, he and I have the same life story. Much like Pace looking at Trubisky and saying, you know, God, this guy, he operates like he's some mediocre uh, defensive end from a, from a – directional school in Illinois and the other similarity is that neither case they had somebody overseeing the process that could tell them the error of their ways yeah yeah I mean listen it's a it's a really bad I you know and then the question then becomes like how would they have followed up Mahomes because Dustin as much as you want Pace to get all the credit he did draft him into a uh into a team that basically tried to get him killed for a year do you think doubtful Loggins would have had oh my Patrick Mahomes God. on the 
path to stardom? No. Oh, boy. Good question. There's Coach Wanstead. will be here in studio, 744. Fire up it, uh, on Twitch. While you're listening, over the weekend, ESPN draft analyst Todd McShay said this. I don't think they're going to sit it, too. I, I mean, I, I think they're going to do everything they can, and I think the Colts are going to be the driving reason. So there's Todd McShay on the four-letter network. Do you expect Houston to hire DeMarco Ryans as the head coach, and do you tend to agree with McShay, or is it just still too early to say? Yeah, I mean, um, uh, uh, D'Amico Ryans is uh, probably going to get hired in Houston. That would be great, and I think he's a a really good coach, and I, you know, there's a lot of connections with that franchise. I honestly think that um, that McShay, um, he's 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 saying that the Colts are going to move up and try to get the number one pick to get ahead of Houston. So Houston's going to try to get ahead of them. And that would be unbelievable for the Bears because they could then start packaging the second pick, right? And they could try to be involved in two draft day trades and get as much. That that's the dream scenario is two trade downs and one of those elite defensive studs. Still there. That would be unbelievable. That'd be the best case scenario. That's the best case scenario. We could fantasize about it. We'll see what happens on the day. Sure. That is the fantasy. You are so right, Mully. I mean trade down and I'll I'll make it into a trifecta okay Let, let's add a third let's add a third level of this let's add then the Carolina Panthers I guess the question is how far are you willing to go down to to get all these assets for the future right because it, let's say the Panthers want to come up to in, in like all so all three quarterbacks right maybe there's a fourth quarterback somehow you know, and, and you just keep going I just wonder how far but I love the idea of you trade with the Texans, you then trade with the Colts, and you still get one of the top two defensive players in this draft, and now you have three picks in the top 60 and a future first-rounder in next year's draft. Ideal. That 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 is super-duper idea. And I think I think DeMarco Ryans would be a great pick for the Texans. I, there's nothing wrong with that Nico. choice. Okay, him too. I'd want to go no I lower. Mean, I mean, we're going to do that. No lower than ten. I, I would like to stay in the top five, and you have an opportunity to do that. Uh, the way these these trade offers are being presented in terms of these mock drafts and analysts, you're going to swap picks and probably get three bodies, of, uh, three bodies, two, two in the top maybe fifty this year, and then a future first. That's a good exchange. So, let's look at D'Amico Ryans going to uh, the Texans. How could that affect the Bears? Well, he's an Alabama guy, and an Alabama guy might want to draft an Alabama quarterback, and they may be fixated on moving up to number one. So, let's make a deal, Houston Texans. You know what? If the Colts don't want that to happen, great. Chris Ballard, we're about to make a deal with new D'Amico Ryans because he wants to take his Alabama guy. What you got? So, you weigh that, and you take – that's an auction, and that's what Todd McShay is referring to. So, you're in a great situation if you're the Bears. What may screw this up or affect this, not screw it up, where's Derek Carr going to play quarterback next year? Is he going back to play for the Houston Texans like David Carr, his brother, did because he knows D'Amico Ryans and all these other parallels? I don't know. It's fun, but every decision that's made with starting quarterbacks this offseason affects the Bears' thinking at number one. 
What do you think of the Niners getting the worst news possible on quarterback Brock Purdy that he suffered a complete tear of his UCL? He'll need surgery, and it'll cost him at least six months. With Trey Lance already needing two surgeries on the broken right ankle, Jimmy G heading to free agency, what do you believe to be the starter next season in San Francisco? Oh, boy. I feel terrible for Brock Purdy. Awful, because I love that story. You know I did, and I think that he did everything that he was asked to do. Protected the football, managed the games, and won. (sighs) This is a repair. This is not a reconstruction. This isn't Tommy John surgery per se. He's not going to be out 18 months. It's going to be six months based on the information he has right now. That said, he's coming off an injury. Trey Lance is coming off an injury. You're the 49ers, and you are a quarterback away from playing in the Super Bowl. Neither one of those guys you can count on as a starter. Both are unproven. Both are injured. You can't go into next season with either one of those guys as your number one. Jimmy G, see you later. He's off to wherever, New York, Houston, whatever the case may be, Indianapolis perhaps. So you're moving on. Tom Brady, come on down. That makes the most sense for the 49ers. If not, Aaron Rodgers, come back home. These are the kind of things and these are the kind of standards that they have set in San Francisco. You're John Lynch. You can pull it off because you've pulled off big trades before. Look at Christian McCaffrey. So I think the starting quarterback is not in the organization yet for the 49ers, and I think they're going to go after a big name and make a huge splash. I wonder if Aaron Rodgers, if there's enough, the 49ers, do they have enough after trading for Christian McCaffrey? Do they have enough to make a deal to go get him? Now, that'd be an unbelievable story. I wouldn't want Aaron Rodgers to be set up so nicely. That wouldn't sit very well. But Tom Brady, that, that makes a whole heck of a lot of sense, but it seems like the Raiders make a whole lot of sense, but I think Tom Brady would love to win another ring, so that would set up nicely. You feel bad for Brock Purdy, no doubt, but maybe sitting a year and being the backup, you know, he's healthy enough to be the backup, but sitting behind Tom Brady and then being the guy getting to learn from Tom Brady, maybe that could be the best-case scenario for Brock Purdy right now, and maybe it gets San Francisco back to the uh, NFC Championship game and or the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, I think the Niners got to be in the market for a quarterback. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And they need to be in the market for a veteran quarterback that can come in and just help them win. And they they can't wait on a draft pick, and they can't wait on multiple surgery guys, right? So Trey Lance may well end up being the right guy and could have a good career. Problem is... He, he has this ankle, and he needed surgery, and then he needed a second surgery. I, I, I think he's going to be ready for the start of camp, but I would be very careful about that. You know, that's that's uh, you're kind of entering Lonzo Ball territory uh, when you start needing more than one surgery on an injury. Just, it just scares you to hear that. Um, as far as, as Purdy is concerned, he's hunting for a better diagnosis. He, he was hoping to avoid surgery, and he may – avoid surgery they recommend surgery because they think it'll get him back and up and running and and all that'll happen faster and he either way whether he has surgery or not he's out a minimum of six months so tom terrific is from there he grew up in the stands there that makes so much sense because as you say the team's already built to win And Tom can throw those, you know, spread it out and let him throw. Those long those. handoffs are yes. ideal for him at this stage perfect, of his career. And perfect. he's only costing money, not draft picks. And, you know, he's the kind of guy you'll take next to nothing. Pay me a dollar. Win. There you go. There's my lifetime contract. I tried to get the answer to this question. 
There he is, Mike Florio, a guest of Mully and Haw at 844 this morning here on The Score. Last month, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk reported that the push for full-time officials is gaining more traction. In light of the weekend's officiating travesties, how can the NFL not move close to making that a full-time job to legitimize the profession and improve the quality of officiating for America's most popular sport? Yeah, you know, that that has been talked about for a very long time, and the problem, obviously, is the same one when you start talking about building a stadium. There are It's a 17-game season. There are 20 games if you count the three preseason games, right? So how much do you pay these guys? In order, some of these guys are, are lawyers, and some of them have, like, professional careers. They have businesses, tax accountants, whatever. And the idea that they're going to give up their daytime job for you know the 20 weekends a year job that that is a you got to figure out a way to pay these guys enough money hey the nfl has nothing but money it's a billion dollar business and you can certainly afford to pay these guys to be working out 24 7 to be studying the rule book and being quizzed and you know you could go to officiating camp but it is only for a short period of time i mean think about the length of the season in terms of uh, of 20, 20 weeks. I, I you know I, I suppose you'd have to treat guys like school teachers. The problem is again, how, you know they have businesses, they have families, and they have like normal lives. Um, it's going to be difficult to get this group to kind of give all that up. You're going to have to pay a lot of money. It's the old I think if not now when yeah. if you saw I mean. And, but it's going to cost a lot of money. The NFL's got, I mean, they just print money, right? I mean, how much money did they get for the extra wild card? Okay. Use that money to make things better and put a chip in the, there's so much technology out there. I mean, just, just get it better. They like collecting money. They They don't like paying money. They like saving money and then investing. They need to professionalize. They need to legitimize. They need to do something because it's never been as bad or as, as egregious as it is now because the stakes are higher. Sports gambling is more pervasive. There's more attention paid to every single call and every single miss. I know that it's impractical for a lot of these guys to give up their careers. They make nice nice livings. But it's also, I think, a movement that they, they really have to strongly consider if you're Roger Goodell. You're also involved. The NFL has some stake in the USFL, right? You could use these guys in the spring to officiate USFL games. You could find ways to make use of their time that would make them more of a year-round job, perhaps, and then give them seminars and do things in the offseason. You need to do something with technology. You need to do something with manpower. You need to do something with this this role of the official cannot be a part-time hobby like it is for some of these guys. Because People it's think a, the fix was in. I, I, I've never seen anything it's, like it's it. It's ridiculous to the point. And, and, Dustin, when you say, if not now, are you referring to, like, the weird conspiracy theories floating around the world these days? i I got to be honest with you. you got to do something to debunk all that. That's true. You have to respond. This is the best way, from in my mind, to respond, is to make these guys full-time NFL officials. Okay, ask the next question. The Blackhawks are off until next week with the All-Star break. So when we return to action next Tuesday, does the organization have an obligation to honor Bobby Hull, who died Monday at the age of 84? Which would create a bigger stir, honoring Hull's life or ignoring Hull's death? How will you remember him? That's a tough one. 
Um, I think it would make a bigger stir if you ignored it. I expect them to do something, uh, hopefully tastefully, and in like the Blackhawks are very good at nostalgia. So hopefully that's the case. Bobby Hall, how will you remember him? Nearly flawless hockey player. Highly flawed man. Golden Jet. Cast in bronze. Tarnished legacy. I mean, you can't talk about 610 goals and one Stanley Cup championship, though, without mentioning, in context, two domestic abuse incidents. You can't put into perspective all he did for the Blackhawks, all he did for the community, all he did for others without including what he said. And it was documented about blacks and Jews. This is somebody whose legacy is very complicated. We heard that term often yesterday, people trying to put it into perspective. It's not easy. But really, however people want to remember him, it's not our place. At least I don't feel like it's my place to tell someone else how to grieve or handle the death of their hero. So whatever works for you, do it. I think the Hawks are going to find a way to do it the way they typically have. And on Tuesday night, when they get back in action, we'll see what they come up with. I think, David, what you said about grieve the way you want to grieve, remember the way you want to remember, I think that's probably the right thing. If it was my call at the United Center, I would ask the fans to rise. I would say, let's have a moment of silence, and I would dim the lights or turn them off, and I would put a spotlight on the number nine sweater hanging in the rafters, and that would be the end of it. If I had to bet, they will have a full montage of videos because you're you're catering to your audience. The people that are at that game on Tuesday night, they 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 want to remember Bobby Hull on the ice, okay? And, and how they want to remember him off the ice, I think, as you said, is up to them. But, yes, it was um, his off the ice was definitely checkered and, and not great. And all the videos I've ever seen of him, you know, wow. He's a Hall of Famer, and he's, you know, one of the great Blackhawks of all time. And, yes, you need to do a tribute to him because his public life was was fantastic. Um, as far as, you know, the accusations against him, uh, two of his three uh, wives accused him of spousal abuse. Uh, there, one of the incidents, he punched a cop that was responding. Um, you know, it's, it's all documented if you want to go look it up. And, and David mentioned the, uh, the uh, interview with the Russian Times or whatever the paper was. Um, I think that you're absolutely right. I think you remember him as you want to. I will remember him uh, because I met him. And I, I told the story yesterday of him uh, grabbing Jack Higgins' beer and ch- chugging it down while family members were trying to pull him away from the table. And then he kind of half belching at us. You can tell your friends now that you had uh, you had a drink with Bobby Hall. And, I mean, I, I think he was kind of a wild man like that. I've heard other stories along those lines. That's how I'll remember him. And I'll remember Jack saying to me, never meet your heroes. Hmm. Well put. I heard that often yesterday. A lot of people telling stories about Bobby Hall and and bringing up that line and with other examples of other heroes who were somewhat disappointing to me. All right. There we go. 312-644-6767. The extra point is next. Mullion Hall on the score. Set up this extra point. It's time for the Extra Point with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. How about the athletic baseball man Keith Law ranking the White Sox with just one top 100 prospect, but rating that player, shortstop 
Colson Montgomery, 25th on that list. Tops in Chicago. Law ranks Montgomery one spot ahead of the Cubs. Pete Crow Armstrong and four spots ahead of Kevin Alcantara and 25 spots ahead of Brennan Davis. I'd love it. I think that Colson Montgomery is someone who established himself last summer as, as somebody to watch. He, not that that you know, should be a surprise to people who saw him be the first-round draft pick and a lot of hope invested in him, and he's always had success along the way, but it's different when he has the kind of success he had uh, you know, kind of ascending, had that long uh, on-base streak. He's done everything in the field, and he is the highest-rated prospect in Chicago, according to Keith Law, who is you know a tough grader. I think Keith Law is a tough grader. And to see Colson Montgomery ahead of Cub shortstops in the system, like Ed Howard, like Christian Hernandez, that's a, a little surprising based on when he joined the Sox organization relative to when they joined the Cubs. PCA is on the way, Pete Crow Armstrong, and he's not going to be in any hurry. He's going to be in big league camp as well. Brennan Davis, the clock is ticking a little bit louder maybe this season. you like to see him, but is he stuck? Is he stopped? Is he stalled in the outfield? The Cubs have three outfielders who presumably will be ready to go in 2024 on opening day. Where will they put them? Will they still be here? Let's wait and see. But this is exciting for Colson Montgomery. The problem is when he's 25th, now I want to see, okay, how close is he actually to being in Chicago? Because that is still a team without a second baseman. Well, I think it's good news for Colson Montgomery and the White Sox. I think it's bad news for Tim Anderson, who's coming to the tail end, I believe, of a contract, kind of a team-friendly contract. And, you know, I'm sure Tim Anderson would love to get the kind of cash that was thrown around this offseason at, at, at the shortstops. Um, but, you know, could Tim Anderson play second base? You know, who's the better, who's the better sure. defensive shortstop? Here, do do we know do we know that is Montgomery the better defender than Tim Anderson? So, it, it, this can't be bad news. This can only be this can only be good news. And hey, listen, you know what's good is that the Sox have a higher rated guy. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. The Cubs have three. There's there's guys in the system that are going to be here sooner rather than later. Um, and you want good you got good shortstops. That, that's important. You know, there's. That's another part of this White Sox second base mess is that like I feel like they haven't taken into the shift being taken away into account enough. I, I just think they're missing that point that you really need to be really good up the middle. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Dustin. I, you know, I'm very curious. First of all, Keith Law doesn't seem to care much for the White Sox, doesn't <laughs> seem to like their minor league system. I'm just saying, you know, you generally if speaking, um, when you talk to – Sox fans, they are aware of Keith Law, but they're aware of him not liking their team in any way. They're probably he's probably right if you look at the way things have gone. But um, but this kid has been phenomenal, and you know it's interesting to read what he writes about Colson Montgomery because he's six foot four, and he is probably a guy that might wind up as a third baseman, to be honest about it, because of his size. Now. The power numbers aren't there. His power hasn't caught up to his size. So he needs to get more power given that he's six foot four, his body will fill in. That will come naturally, so he'll have enough uh, of, of that. But you know, he had an unbelievable year at, at class A and then double A or excuse me, at high A, and then he moved with the rest of them to uh, the Birmingham project. Didn't play as well, just didn't really wow everybody. 
Um, but that was a, a major step up. And, he, and he, again, Law writes that he's the 25th best prospect. He also says it's not a great group. He also kind of says the class itself, this year's rankings, a lot of people graduated into the major leagues, and it's not like a really strong group. But, um, you know, we know the Cubs have an outfield on the way, right? Everybody is well aware of uh, what those guys can do, and seems like they put their team together to account for that, and there will be guys on the way. I, I wonder about the White Sox. I, w- I think that's a great point, Dustin, about the shift in defense being more uh, emphasized than I, ever, except on the South. I think you want two shortstops up yeah. the middle, like the Cubs do. I, I think you're going to need that. And him being 6'4", Colson Montgomery, I don't know if it works against him if he can handle it, if he can right. be a fluid 6'4". That's maybe not common, but it's not out of the realm of possibility, especially too, Molly, you know this. They have a guy in the system in West Cath that they drafted yes. to play yes. third base, ideally, if he progresses and continues to get better. So maybe he is their future at third base. Maybe Montgomery is a guy they either position up the middle. And I don't necessarily agree. I think Tim Anderson is going to be whoever he is and whatever he's worth, regardless of what happens to the prospects below him. Because if you can hit, you're going to earn. And he can hit. Yeah, and I, I mean, I could see the two guys in the same influence. Yes. I, I don't think that's uh, – and, and, I mean, I've even heard mention that uh, Montgomery might be able to play second base if you if you want to move him up. He probably has too strong an arm for that, but guys make that I, adjustment all the time. But, again, you're going to need two shortstops. I agree. That's why it makes sense to at least can keep that open, and that's why I think if that's the case, man, does that mean his timetable is accelerated? Here's hoping because they need help. That would be fun. It'd be great. Wouldn't that be neat if you could see a guy like that ascend quickly like other teams do? He says he says something like uh, in his little comments on him, he says something along the lines of it's a it, it's a you know, it was a it was a real risk in the draft to take a guy from some small town in Indiana that no one's heard. Like he he takes a shot at your small town I know. in Indiana. It's I, always there. It, for everybody you. does. Okay. It's just, you know, you, you get used to that after a while. All That's right. fine. But uh, here's hoping. All right, 312-644-6767. It's Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. They told him that they were going to draft him. You know, they told him that they were going to draft him. So we thought he was going to be the third pick overall, go to Chicago. He had a great meeting when he went there and, and liked all the guys that were doing the stuff there, and, and he thought he was going to be a bear. And then once they traded up and got Mitch, you know, it kind of hurt him. I mean, it really did. But he always knew that Kansas City had told him that, you know, they were going to come up and get him. They just didn't know how far they had to go. But initially, he thought he was going to be a Chicago Bear. Oh, goodness gracious. That is uh, Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes Sr. That is the dad of the quarterback. He was a Major League Baseball pitcher. And he's telling you what they thought was gonna was gonna happen in the draft. They thought that Patrick Mahomes with Garth Burks in the bath. Yes, background David. Huh? Because that's the song I referenced during the pick six. Good job, Brandon Fryer. Thank God for unanswered prayers. And Patrick Mahomes has to be doing that every day of his Kansas City Chief life. Because had he come to Chicago, had Ryan Pace followed through on that vow to draft him, his career would have gone much differently. Dare I say the uh, the funniest headline I've ever seen in the Onion was "God answers child's prayer." 
No, says God. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So the Bears had their, you know, they, they did not, Bear fans did not have their prayers answered, but maybe Patrick Mahomes did. I think so. He's okay. in the right spot. He has had the first five years of his career go as well as he could have w- expected in his wildest dreams. So I I loved that interview yesterday. Pat Mahomes Sr., former Cub, uh, who spent the 2002 season in Chicago, went one-on-one for the Cubs. He, he bounced around. He played for the Twins, the Red Sox, the Mets, the Rangers, and the Pirates. He, he where, said – Where was Patrick born? How old is Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes, 27, oh, I believe. Wow, so he was here with his dad at that point. Probably. Right? 21 years ago. Wow. Okay. Imagine that. He was in Chicago. Another he, missed opportunity. Why let that guy go? Why let him out of town? When he's, whatever, three when years old. Could you see the greatness in him then? <laughs> oh, but Ryan gracious. Pace, that is the mistake that he'll never outlive. Right. And right. he, wherever he works again, that's going to be the one blemish on his resume that you cannot remove. Oh, yeah. No, that was a terrible, terrible. Going back, though, in that draft, let's face it. Okay, number one, why we're predicting why it might not have gone so well in Chicago. John Fox was the head coach. Yeah. In 2017. Dowell Loggins, I think, was his offensive coordinator that year, correct? I I don't remember. When did the other guy leave? Adam Gase, before that, I believe. Had he gone to? Yeah, I think it was doubtful Loggins at that point. Oh, boy. And so I'm just saying that when you look at the infrastructure that was in place at Hallis Hall, it wasn't as conducive to greatness as, say, the the inviting arms of an Andy Reid in the Kansas City. Yeah. Come here. Let us make you into this quarterback. Oh, you can sit and watch for a year. Everything was perfect about that. Mm -hmm. Everything. I mean, that was perfect. He got he got the absolute everything worked out for him. I mean, so much better than it would have here. I'm not saying that his talent wouldn't have carried him. I'm just saying he's around a lot of really bright offensive minds and uh and that has no doubt helped him a ton. They've got it they got a good coaching staff and they got a good team there. And, and they and got the good weapons around him. Didn't they there. developed an offense that, you know, had talent and depth and scheme and all of these things and he took over from there he did the rest he's great I I think in Chicago it would have been harder to do that just because they were in the midst of a transition I don't even have to say the rest it just goes without saying about why he would not have achieved the level of greatness in Chicago that he has found in Kansas City we have a texter questioning your comment. He says, David, one blemish? He's talking about Ryan Pace, Kevin White, Adam Shaheen, Mike Lennon. The list goes on and on. Come on, man. Well, I said the blemish. But no, you said the what? The biggest blemish. Well, I yeah. think it's the biggest blemish. No question. Yeah, I think it's the you biggest blemish. You said that's the one thing he'll never – you can talk your way through, well, you know, Kevin White got uh, hurt. You, you, or, can, you, you know, can justify and even rationalize the Kevin White – Sure, no question. I think it was a bad one. We saw that it was, yes. but you could understand that easily, more easily than you can not getting the quarterback decision right in 2017. <laughs> not only not only picking the wrong guy, but giving up the draft capital to do it. 
moving up one spot and giving up a king's ransom. Do you know what's unbelievable about that? You gave up a king's ransom, you moved up one spot, and the team that got him also, uh, uh, the team that traded the pick, also fouled up their pick. Didn't, didn't you know, was it Solomon Thomas? Yeah. Didn't, didn't hit it out of the park no, in any way. and recovered. And, and then traded away a bunch of picks, and none of that mattered. They've got that team, that's a really good team. It's a really good front office. That's a really good. It's a really good, smart front office with a lot of guidance and oversight and a lot of collective brain power. You're right. That was missing at Hallis Hall in 2017. It's been missing for too long. I don't think it's missing now, and that's what I mean to to bring it into current day. I'd and tell me if I'm overstepping here because I, I I can do that on occasion. Do you think that I'm giving Kevin Warren too much credit in suggesting that you know what I have more faith? in Ryan Poles not making these kinds of rash decisions, not having this sort of incomplete process because you have somebody who is a proven professional and decision maker in Kevin Warren overseeing the entire operation. Yeah, I think you are giving him too much credit, and here's why. I think that maybe, just maybe, if, uh, let's say, there's like, you know, what what did, uh, was it Warren Sapp? Who was it that said the Bears are moving on from? Warren Sapp had the audio last week. Okay, that's who it was. So let's say he's right. Let's say the Bears want to trade Justin Fields. I don't believe that. But let's say for the sake of this argument that they do, and then he is going to take Bryce Young, whomever. Um, I think that they he would be allowed to do that, but then he'd be fired a lot sooner. You wouldn't give the guy seven years unless he makes good decisions and looks like he's headed in the right direction. The thing with Ryan Pace that made no sense is he did nothing right. He didn't, he didn't, it wasn't like, I mean, I think he got Akeem Hicks right. That might be the only free Have we agent. drafted the quarterback correct? No. Have we won a playoff game? No. Have we gotten anything else right? No. Exactly. And yet, let's give him another year. Well, you know, there was COVID and he was in his house for a while. Let's rationalize the heck out let's, of his career. I mean, seven yeah. okay. years. So I don't think, I don't think he gets seven years with Kevin Warren in charge, but I think he lets this guy make his moves. So you're I, saying that he, he's going to let him do his job. I think he he's not going to meddle. I don't, I don't I, think I, I wonder is. about that. I, I, I think I, it's a fair comment because I, I, I don't know if we know, and I wonder to the degree that Ryan Poles will feel comfortable and secure enough about his own ability to do the job and being a first-time general manager at his age, would he seek help because of that or would he resist it because that's a good question i don't know i don't know either but i think i think we saw them make some decent moves last year i, I read on bears.com yesterday that they're heading to the um to the uh senior bowl senior bowl mm-hmm. and they're going to do actual in-person scouting and they got four players out of that game last year Valus jones in the third round doesn't look like that was a great move uh Braxton Jones in the fifth round. That looks pretty good. That was a good move. They saw him at the Senior Bowl, and they got – who else? They got Jatari Carter. They got got four guys anyway. And that's where you find players because that's where typically the best prospects go and also gives you – The best senior prospects. The best senior prospects, exactly. And it also gives you a chance to coach them this year hands-on and see them in the room, as they say. And we'll ask Dave about that because – that is, that's got to be considered an advantage. It's a coup, I yeah. think. When yeah. we come back, there's a lot of things going on with the quarterbacks this offseason, and maybe we can try to connect the dots and how they all could possibly conceivably affect the Bears. 312-644-6767. It's Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score.